Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, everyone. We are here today in Arlington, Virginia, in this episode of Behind the Scenes Pip Public Interest Podcast. Is your host Jordan Cooper, and your co-host today is <laughs> Aaron Menenberg. Aaron. So Aaron has a blog on wine, and today we're going to talk about uh, wine and what's going on in the world of wine, and how that's lubricating your Saturday afternoons and mm-hmm. in such a way advancing the public interest. Advancing so, the public interest. <laughs> so, what's the name of your uh, podcast, Aaron? Or the the blog, oh, sorry, your blog. is uh, is good vitis v i t i s. And what's what does vitis mean? Vitis viniculture, like the well, Latin so, origin. Yeah, so the the Latin term vitis vinifera uh-huh. is, is the name for the family of wine grapes that we make wine out of today. So hmm. Chardonnay, which we have in front of us, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Syrah, all of these mm-hmm. are are from the vitis vinifera family of grapes, mm-hmm. and and hence so hence hence the name good vitis. So would you refer to yourself as a wine connoisseur or more of a wine dork? Dork, total dork. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I mean, the word I use is geek. A geek. But okay. same thing, right? Yeah, wine no, geek. connoisseur sounds so stuffy. Uh huh. And the wine is way so too So not fun. a vinophile. No, no. I mean, I can, like, fake it. I uh-huh. can be in the room with, with people like that uh-huh. and, and sort of blend in, but it's not my, my standard. It's not my preferred uh, way of treating wine. So for our listeners who can't uh, obviously see where we are, we're sitting at a table. I have a uh, wine <coughs> aroma finder, flavor finder, um, wine follow. It's a... Uh, a, a flavor, a wine chart, a circle. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, yeah it's, it's called an aroma wheel. An aroma wheel. Um, this one here is from a website called Wine Folly, which I highly recommend. This mm-hmm. is my go-to aroma wheel for things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's exactly that. It's 360 degrees of categories of flavors and aromas, and mm-hmm. then sort of specific ar- aromas and flavors right. that are meant to sort of help someone taste through a glass of wine. So... Also, unfortunately for listeners, but fortunately for us, uh, we have glasses of nice white wine of some variety, which yeah. looks kind of... Do you ever think of it that white wine looks yellow? Yeah. Why don't they call it yellow wine? Uh, I don't know. <coughs> it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, look, right, that, so that the color of wine comes from the skins of the grapes. Uh-huh. So those and are green, usually. You have green grapes and red right, grapes. Right, right. But this is... So they don't call it green wine, they don't call it yellow wine, they call it white wine. Yeah. I, I imagine it's... At least has something to do with the fact that it's probably more appealing to people to drink white wine than green wine or yellow wine, right? Because yellow wine is a bit. <laughs> does it does it call your does it have any sort of association in your mind with anything? <laughs> no, I, no. So like a, a lot of times people will wine geeks will talk about the color of wine, uh-huh. um, and there's some reason to do it. There's not a lot. It's not the most important thing about about wine, but. Usually when people remark about the color, it's because they really like it. Okay, so just for our listeners' sake, um, today you're about to get a little intro on the wonderful world of wine and everything about it. I think uh, no matter how many times Aaron or anyone else has explained wine to me, I've kind of always felt like I'm the perpetual neophyte here. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna to start oh, that's, again. That's just because you haven't been drinking enough. <laughs> I need to be more inebriated. Certainly yeah. that would probably help me. In the political world, uh, <laughs> like I don't think we could do worse. Um, you know what? Not uh, not off it, offering opinions here. So um, 
So there's like there's smell. What kind of what are we looking at in wine? There's smell. There's color. There's the chewiness, which the, was the tannin. The texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few things that you sort of assess and comment on with a wine. Uh-huh. As I said, some people comment on the color. Usually, it's because they like it or they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, it actually does mean something about the wine. So if you've got a really old wine, mm-hmm. five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years old, it's probably going to um, red wine's probably going to start turning brown, and white wine is going to start getting a little bit more white. Um, well, well, and let's so, talk about that for a minute, the mm-hmm. aged thing, right? Because sometimes aged beef is good, but then other times aged beef is rancid. Yeah. And sometimes aged cheese is good, and other times it's just mold. Right. So how do we know when aged wine is good or when it's vinegar? Well, it's, you can certainly taste it, right? I mean, that's going to help. But if you're looking at a bottle on the shelf, yeah. um, probably the easiest way to describe this if it's five or ten years old, mm-hmm. and it's less than fifty bucks, with the exception of maybe Portugal, Portuguese wine, it's probably bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does it mean we, to be bad? Bad mean it's 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 it's, go, it's going towards vinegar. It just tastes like vinegar. Yeah. Could you it, use it as a salad dressing? Yeah, I wouldn't. Like oil and vinegar. No, I mean your 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 grocery store vinegar is still going to taste better for that purpose than huh. than, than uh, an over the hill wine. Um, so what do you do with them at that point? Just toss them. Toss them. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. After having waited so long, so right. how do you know when it's like peak <coughs> waiting time versus? Yeah, so I mean, typically, if if you are interested in buying wine that's going to improve with age, mm-hmm. you've probably had a fair amount of wine, and you probably know people who know a lot more than you do. Mm-hmm. And you sort of put together your experience and that of others, mm-hmm. and then what you read uh, to figure it out. Um, wine that's meant to be aged doesn't mean it is necessarily it necessarily needs to be more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that what they did in the vineyard and what they did in the winery um, was all with the intent of to putting together a wine that has high acid. In uh, red wine, high tannin, usually, um, that has spent a fair amount of time aging in oak barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it's first sort of bottled, the first few years, it ends up being really tight. But over, the, over time, as those tannins release, mm-hmm. as the acid smooths out, as things integrate, you taste a lot more in the wine. Uh-huh. And so, you know, you can't just look at a bottle on the shelf. If, if you're... So it's aging in the wine barrel and then aging in the bottle. Yeah. And a lot of chemistry is happening. And yes. sometimes it's, it could be the same batch of grapes. Some of it could eventually go into very wine that's good for aging. And then the other same type of grapes could be not good. Theoretically, yes. Um, I mean, there's a premium charged on wine that's meant to age. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I mean, wine wineries are businesses. They're, they're looking to maximize revenue. And so... If they're gonna, if if they're going to go grow grapes, really high quality grapes meant for 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 aging wine, they're probably gonna try and bottle 100 percent of it as aging wine. Huh. Now, you know, at the next parcel over in the vineyard, uh-huh. um, there may be grapes that are destined for a 15 dollar bottle that's meant to be drunk within the first two years. Yeah. Um. Uh, it just it really depends on what the winemaker wants to do. So I did mention earlier to our listeners that we are sitting in front of some nice white, yellow, green <laughs> <Right>. wine. <laughs> right. And uh, I think we should get started with this virtual wine tasting. Okay, sure. So we'll, first of all, we can tell people what we're drinking. 
um, so that if they want to go out and find it, they can. This is from uh, a producer out in California called Hess, and this is from the Hess collection. Hess makes a lot of different uh, lines of wine, and this is their estate now. Is it German, or is it grape originally from Hesse in Germany? No, no, no. Well, I, this is a family name. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Maybe their family immigrated from there. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, <laughs> And so this is this is their estate growing uh, Napa Valley Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. This has a retail price, I think, of around twenty twenty five dollars. This is the the current release, the twenty fifteen vintage. Um, this wine, without even looking it up, uh, I can say with pretty high confidence, saw a fair amount of time in uh, in oak aging before it went into barrel. Um, and this was, I have to say, as a disclaimer, received as a, a trade sample. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll eventually be able to read about this on goodvitus.com too. Cool. All right. So. How do we do it? How do we go ahead? We have we pour the wine into glasses. Do the glass shapes matter? That's a very controversial topic. <laughs> um, my feeling <coughs> is that if you have the right shape, then it doesn't matter. There are a lot of wrong, I would I would not want to serve the Chardonnay in a champagne flute. I wouldn't even want or to serve a water sh- bottle. or a water bottle. I wouldn't even want to serve champagne in a champagne flute. They look good, but they're they're a horrible design for wine. Huh. Um, what we're tasting in right now is called a universal glass. Mm-hmm. Um, this is designed to basically work with everything. And frankly, from my experience, once you get past sort of the right shape, which this is, it doesn't really matter beyond there how specific the glass is to, to the grape that's meant to be poured into it. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is a universal tasting glass. These are my go-to. This is all I have. So people are spending a lot of time thinking up of new ways to make wine tasting even more complicated. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and expensive. And expensive. <laughs> all right. So what are we looking at? What do we do? We want to taste it. How do we do that? Yeah. So there's a couple things that go into that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort of break it down initially into two different components, mm-hmm. aroma and flavor. Aroma and flavor. Um, let's tackle the aroma first. There's a process that I like to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first pour wine into a glass and smell it, it's going to have a certain set of smells. Uh-huh. As it gets... And we call it, that the bouquet. <coughs> that's the bouquet, sure. Um, or the nose. That's sort of the more common kind of industry term is the nose. Nose. Um, uh, but over time, as the wine takes in more oxygen, mm-hmm. yeah, more, more chemical compounds are released. And, uh, and, and the aromas change. And the same process happens for the flavors, too. Mm-hmm. So I always think it's interesting to see how the wine changes over time. And so the first thing I'll do is smell it. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. Should okay. we do that? Sure. All right. So do we, do we, do we swirl it first? Or no, 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 no. Stick no. your nose right in right. there. Right now we want to see how, it, how it's going to smell before it starts taking on a bunch of oxygen. Okay. So. Well, you have the aroma wheel in front of you. <laughs> if you remember when we did this last time. Uh, oh, gosh. My, my, my suggestion... <laughs> There's a lot of pressure here. On the, the inner circle okay. are categories, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Start with the category that comes to mind when you smell the wine. <clears throat> what are some of the options there? Uh, maybe like a citrus, tropical fruit. Cool. All right. So, yes, especially in white wine, you tend to get a lot of citrus and a lot of tropical fruits. So let's, let's go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. What are some of the specific notes in that category that, that Wine Folly is, is telling you may be there? Um, could be grapefruit. You think grapefruit? Okay. Uh, what do you think? Well, the first thing that sticks out to me <coughs> in that category is, is Meyer Lemon. Meyer lemon is um, a little bit less. Um, oh, that's pretty close. It's only one away in the citrus yes. wheel. So actually, this is this is a good point to make. As I said, what we're smelling here are basically chemical compounds, mm-hmm. and 
we associate them with other experiences we've had in our lives with those compounds. Mm-hmm. You may have spent more time with grapefruit, <laughs> and I may have spent more time with Meyer lemon. Uh-huh. We're smelling the same thing, but we're associating it with our experience. Huh. Cool. All right. So, uh, so we got some memories and experience, <coughs> and that's the nose. And now what do we do? Well, so now we're going to give it a little... We're going to oxygenate it a bit more, so and then we're going to smell it again, uh-huh. and we're going to see how it's changed. So we're yeah, going to swirl it. We're going to swirl it. So, and notice you're, I'm not put, you're not putting your fingers on the area with the wine in it. Your fingers are at the stem. That's right. So the, the area of the glass where, where that holds the wine is called the bulb. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know if you remember from, from when we did this with the, with the group, mm-hmm. there was one thing I wrote on the, the whiteboard and underlined... Mm-hmm. And so don't touch the bulb. Don't touch the bulb. Huh. Don't ever touch the bulb. <laughs> um, when you're, when you're, whether you're, the, the, you're just sort of holding it <coughs> like we are right now, mm-hmm. while it's still on the table, or whether you're walking around with it or picking it up, never touch the bulb. Why is that? Uh, because wine does well at certain precise temperatures, and you cannot maintain that temperature in a glass once it's been poured like this. But if you put your hand on it, you're going to expedite its journey into warmer temperatures where the wine's going to start doing things that are not as pleasant. Now, what if it was a red wine and it could be had at room temperature? Well, so red wine usually actually should be drunk around 65 degrees. So oh. unless you're in a, a pretty cold room... And you're um, still going to warm it. You're still going to warm it. Okay. So we're doing the stem, we're oxygenating it, we're twirling yeah. the wine around the glass. That's now right. Uh, let's give it a smell again. Okay. I don't know about you, but to me, there's a little bit more going on at this point. Huh. There are some other flavors out, outside of that, that citrus category. Hmm. Let's see. Let's Maybe see. some tree fruit. You Maybe. Think, okay. We're moving down, down the thing or, or uh, maybe a flower or, or two. Maybe let's, I, I smell some honeysuckle. Okay. Uh, there's definitely honeysuckle for me as well. Okay. Now, there's a category, let's see what Wine Folly calls it. A lot of us just call it minerality, um, or, uh, well, they're, I think they're going to call it earthier, which is another common term. But check out the, the earth category, mm-hmm. and tell me if there's anything there that, that sort of strikes, strikes Oh, wow, you. earth is on the opposite side of the <coughs> wheel, away from citrus and flower. Oh, we have some pretty bad ones in there. <laughs> we have, uh, it's kind of amusing, we have clay pot... Uh, slate. I don't know who's going around smelling like the pavers in your backyard. Wet <coughs> gravel, potting soil, red beet, volcanic rocks. I would think there's not very much of a smell to those anyway. Or petroleum. That sounds gross. Like you're smelling a gas station. Okay. See that that happens to be my favorite category. <laughs> I love those things. You like those? Things. I do. And for me. This has a very. This has a. Is that a, unusual? Do other people like those things? Yeah, I would say. I mean, look in the wine world where people are spending time and money. That's a category that's sought after. Do you ever find those same people on their hands and knees sniffing wet gravel after a fresh? Yeah, we do rain? that. No, 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 we do that. <laughs> um, when I go out and visit a vineyard, so weird and proud. Yeah, completely. Uh, when I go out and visit a vineyard, one of the first things I do is take a little handful of soil and, and eat it. No, you don't. Yeah, absolutely. You literally put dirt yeah, in your mouth. I want to see how much iron, how much uh, potassium. These, these um, 
these nutrients matter quite a bit in terms of the health of the the vines as you well as as well as the flavor that comes through to the grapes. Wow! And so I'm surprised. And so tasting the dirt gives you <laughs> a lot of insight into what those grapes are going to end up tasting like. Mm. Um, but on this on this Hesh Chardonnay, I get a lot of chalk and mm. I get a lot of limestone, and those are those aren't on the aromaware, but those are in that category of earth or or uh, minerality. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. All right, you ready to taste this? Let's do it. So we're going to taste it a couple of times, and each time we're going to look for something different. Okay. The first time we're going to assess the structure. The structure this is what it feels one. like. This isn't what it tastes like. This is what it feels like. Okay. So we're talking about things like body. Mm-hmm. Is it light? Is it medium? Is it heavy? We're gonna we're gonna talk about tannin. On the white wine, you're not going to get much tannin. And but tannin is like from a leaf. That's what tea is. Yeah, so like if you've had black tea, uh-huh. right, I mean, that's where it's most pronounced. Uh-huh. Uh, and after you've swallowed the tea, you get sort of this grainy, textured sensation on your gums, on your teeth, on your cheeks. Like a bitter taste. A yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Now, it's especially bitter in tea. It's not nearly as bitter as it when it comes through in wine. But tannins are a compound. Mm-hmm. Um, they have texture. They have weight. They have consistency. Yeah. Uh, and in wine, they take, there are different ways to describe them. Um, sometimes it, it leaves your mouth feeling dusty. Huh. Sometimes it leaves your mouth feeling sort it's of very chewy. poetic, <coughs> isn't it? Yeah, if you, if you read a really good wine tasting note, it, it can be poetic. I mean, I, I tend to take sort of a, a light approach. I try and, and have fun with it. Uh-huh. Um, Describing a lot of things to grape juice that doesn't, you know, seem to be necessarily immediately related. Right. Well, that's the magic of wine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, the only thing in that in that in your glass are grapes. I mean, there's a couple of chemicals and other things too. But you know, like they didn't they didn't put up little ground shavings of um, of chalk. No. Like, they didn't grind chalk into it. Uh-huh. But to me, it's there. Huh? Was there chalk in the soil? Um. <coughs> possibly. Yeah. Not necessarily, hmm. but. Um, yeah, I mean. All it's, right, so we're going to taste some tannins. We're going to do the the structure. We're going to assess the structure. Okay. We're also going to look for the acid. We're going to look for the alcohol. Oh, and the, will we ever something with the wine dripping down the side of it or something? The legs. This is a big myth. The legs mean nothing. Okay. The legs mean nothing. They're actually they can be very misleading. Okay, so um, don't look at that. All right. Well, you can look. You can admire. Sometimes they're pretty to look at, but they don't actually tell you anything about the wine. Okay, so yeah. let's. Uh, all right, so when we taste this now, we're going to want to hold the wine in our mouths for a few seconds, okay. kind of roll it around, because we're trying to get a sense for how it feels. Okay, let's So, listeners, we're going to be silent for a little bit. Feels a little bit... Kind of like water, maybe a little bit heavier than water, but kind of, uh, I guess, pretty no viscosity, very light. And when I chewed it between my teeth, I didn't feel anything. Yeah, so there's you're not going to get any tannin on this wine, <coughs> simply by the with whites. Even though this this was definitely aged in um, in oak for a bit, um, the clean. skins the skins don't get pressed with the juice like they do in red, which is where you extract a lot of that tannin right. and, and get it into the wine. So, I would say this is a full-bodied wine. Mm-hmm. On the, uh, as far as uh, white wines go, this one has this one has weight. This one has texture. This one has um, um, sort of a, a glycerin sensation. I would say too. 
Mm, it's sweet. Uh, yeah, so now there's no residual sugar to this, um, but the fruit is very bright, and it gives off sort of a, an, an allure of sweetness, but this is not going to have residual sugar. There's not actually any sugar in this wine. Uh-huh. I thought that alcohol is made when bacteria, when yeast eat sugar. <coughs> that's right. That's so right. there needs to be sugar they, for there to be alcohol in the wine. They eat sugar, they poop alcohol. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a conversion. Now... So there was sugar. There is sugar. There's fructose in the grapes. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, there's there's sugar. Um, the content is measured with a uh, a unit called bricks. And brit bricks bricks. As <coughs> B- in, I'm building a house with bricks. B R I X. Oh, bricks. Uh, and you know, a wine like this is probably going to be picked at I don't know, twenty five bricks. So we're talking. You know, I mean, this is a, you could think of it effectively as a as a percentage. Mm-hmm. So you know, at the time that these wine that, that these grapes were picked, we're talking basically twenty five percent of 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 that grape was sugar. Hmm. So bricks is a unit of measurement pertaining to sugar in grapes. In fruit, in yeah. Fruit. Cool. Right. right. I mean, like if you if you talk to some guy from the uh, the orange juice industry, he'll yeah. talk about bricks too. Okay. All right, so we're talking about... So we, we, we put it in the mouth, and we had some structure, some notes there. Right. Um, <coughs> that sort of glycerin sensation, it is sort of smooth. That actually comes from the time it's spent in barrel. Okay. Um, that's going to give it that kind of weight and sort of polish the edges, mm-hmm. so that it's got that sort of smooth um, sensation. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so now... Uh, well. Acidity, right? That was something else we were supposed to be looking for. Huh. This one has got a decent amount of, of acidity. Because we said it was citrus. Uh, yeah, now that's... We were smelling no. that. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that it's going to be a high acid wine. Okay. Um, it didn't taste very acidic to me. Did it taste acidic to you? Yeah, so it's, in terms of... Uh, <coughs> within the context of where this wine comes from and how it was made... Mm-hmm. The acidity on it is pretty bright. Hmm. Um, a lot of these these California Chardonnays that spend a fair amount of time in, in oak barrels before yeah. they're bottled um, uh, tend to lose a fair amount of their acidity in that barrel aging process. Um, this this has not done that. So in the in that sort of in that context of barrel aging, so is that good? Chardonnay, Do we like more acidity or less? People tend to like acidity. Acidity means flavor. Okay. Um, that said. This is, on the grand scheme of acidity in white wines, this is probably somewhere in the middle. I could pour you some really acidic wine, you might not like it. Hmm. I love it. Um, it's like orange juice. Yeah. Huh. yeah. All right, cool. All right, so we did that. So now yeah. what? Uh, so now we're going we're gonna to have another taste, and this okay. time we're going to look for flavors. A flavor. So the first thing I want you to do, again, we're going to hold the wine in our mouth for a little bit. Find on there the first flavor that, that, that hits you, right? Think about it. Okay, let's say the first thing I taste is... Whatever. Find that on the wheel. So for um, our listeners, go to winefolly.com, <laughs> print out this little wheel thing, and at this point in the episode, take your, your wine, and you're going to put it in your mouth, and whatever your tongue tells you it tastes like, that's what you're going to point to on the that's wheel. That's right, and that's what we're going to start with when we actually begin discussing the wine. All right, what'd you get, Aaron? The first thing I wrote down was banana leaf. Huh. You got a banana leaf. Yeah, I got a banana. Huh. 
It's the first thing. So would it pair well with bananas? Like, should we serve this with fruit salad? Uh, yeah, you could actually. You could. You wouldn't want to make it uh, super acidic. You'd want to keep. You'd actually want to keep sort of citrus out of it. It would balance well with this. But yeah. So the banana with some strawberry, pineapple, that would work well. Yeah. Tropical. Yeah, tropical fruits, mango, be mm-hmm. great. Cool. All right, so we got some sense of food pairings. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you? I, you know that I, I'm not as imaginative as you. I wish I would have gotten some banana leaf. In fact, I got I went to a, a Laotian restaurant and they serve fish in a banana leaf. Oh yeah, and that's great. Chip cow up in uh, Colombia, but uh, I didn't I didn't taste the uh, fish in a banana leaf here. <coughs> um, I was tasting maybe some of those tropical fruits again. Okay. Yeah, so I got I didn't write, I'm gonna write this down now. I definitely picked up some um, pineapple as well. Uh-huh. So let's let's talk about that category of tropical fruits. This is something that's common in a lot of white wines. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is common in, in in warmer climate Chardonnay, like Napa Valley, mm-hmm. like this bottle. Um, is there anything else there in the tropical section that uh, that struck you? So just for our listeners, I'm looking at pineapple, mango, guava, kiwi, lychee, and bubble gum. Why is bubble gum there? That seems to, if I was in second grade and they said, which of these is not like the other, it would have <laughs> been bubble, bubble gum. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, to be honest. It's, it's not a flavor that, I didn't grow up chewing gum. I don't chew gum now. Yeah. It's not a flavor that I'm real familiar with. And just going back to the point earlier about how we associate these compounds with things we have experience with. Right. Bubble gum's not going to come to mind for me for the most part. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, uh, all right. So we got some, some. So we got some fruit. Okay. Uh, was there anything on there, or was there anything in the glass that you tasted that uh, was not fruit? It was something else. Something else. Uh, you can take another sip, too. We'll take another sip here. Hmm. Maybe like a raisin. Is that one? <laughs> it's not, you know I mean, but raisins yeah. come from grapes, so isn't, I guess that's not you know right. So <coughs> I don't know which one is it. Well, this is dried fruit. Dry, all right, how about dried fruit? Is there anything there? Well, uh, I don't know. Nuts? Did I? I don't know if it tastes coconut. I don't know. vanilla. Maybe I don't know. This is tough. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> this is an exam I would not be doing well. So what are our, what, so, I mean, so, so, so the next thing that I got was vanilla custard. Oh, did hit vanilla. Mm-hmm. Vanilla custard. Right. This is another sort of common common flavor in this uh, warm climate Chardonnay category. Uh-huh. Um, I also I also have star fruits huh. um, and uh, Turkish apricots. If you've ever had those, you can get them Trader Joe's dried. They're fantastic. They're a little bit different. Yeah. And I definitely get that on this wine too. Huh. Yeah, they're sweet and chewy, right. orange. They're yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Good with the nuts, the right. pistachios. And they're a little bit sort of, they have this kind of weird toasted flavor, uh-huh. um, which which also speaks to this wine. Um, the fact that it was aged in oak barrels gives it a kind of toastiness. Hmm. Um, so. All right, so we're 27 minutes in. <coughs> we've tasted the wine. We've smelled the wine. Are we are we good? Is there anything else here? We're good. We're good. So if you if you if you want to sort of see a verdict, eventually it'll be on the website with a full taste note and a score and a value rating. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's really the basics of it. The idea here is if you can practice this every time you have a glass of wine. Uh-huh. Um, 
eventually you're not going to need the wheel anymore. You're going to start, you're going to become a bit more imaginative and creative. Mm-hmm. You're actually going to pay more attention to the flavors that you're getting in your food mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it makes the experience of eating and drinking wine and booze for that matter too, just more interesting for a lot of people. Sounds a little zen. You're very much interested in focusing on the moment than really embracing the experience. Absolutely. And, and if you talk to anybody who's really serious about wine, I imagine they're going to tell you that their their favorite way to drink wine is is, is with close friends and family. Huh. Um, it's a... Um, you know, wine is always something that's brought people together. As opposed to the weirdos who, I mean, they only enjoy drinking wine among people that they hate, like their enemies. That would be right. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But if you, you know, if you're going to spend what for you is a, is a lot of money on a bottle of wine, chances are you're going to want to share it with somebody special. Right. Right. So, like, I I, I have a collection of wine, uh-huh. um, and I find myself holding on to the um, the special bottles longer than the non-special bottles. Because I'm waiting for special occasions and the right people to drink them with. And that's how Aaron is advancing to public interest. We, uh, <laughs> wine is uh, provi- bringing people together, I suppose, and, and uh, making an enjoyable, well, sure. memorable and look at And look at life. any celebration. Uh-huh. Look at any sort of religious holiday. There's usually some... There's usually some alcohol on the table, and it's usually ceremonial. It's usually traditional. It's, uh, it's, it's part of family. It's part of life. Cheers. Cheers. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com and on iTunes, leave a review of this podcast on iTunes, and listen on Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, Blueberry, Player FM, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Should you wish to comment on this episode, you're welcome to leave a voicemail at 240-630-0380. And the first three minutes of that voicemail may be played in future episodes of Public Interest Podcast. Should you wish to support the podcast, you're welcome to leave a contribution in an amount that you feel comfortable with at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.